0: The Startup to Scale-Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpena Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. Eugene Kruplov is co-founder at, at Follow, a, a European scale-up that aggregates and analyzes critical data from the major mobile app stores. They help their clients review and analyze user acquisition and sentiment, and also deliver customer support and even competitor analysis. And they combine all of this insight via a single user interface of some very clever technology behind this uh, interface. They already have more than 70,000 global clients, and that's a mixture of small and medium-sized businesses and large brands like uh, McDonald's and Disney. And they recently raised a Series A, which was led by the European VC Nauta Capital. So, um, Eugene, welcome to the uh, Startup to Scale Up game plan.
1: Gary, thank you very much for inviting me here. I'm really happy to be here. And uh, that was a great pitch. You you really <laughs> got it. Thanks. <laughs> Thank um, you. We are what you, what you were saying. And uh, I, I really like when someone pronounces that and it's not me pitching, it sounds like we really managed to do something.
0: I just might apply for your head of marketing job. So uh, watch this space. So Eugene, take us See back you. to the very beginning. When and why did you launch App Follow, And what was your original vision for the business?
1: Thank you for the question. Uh, I kind of expected it a little bit. So yeah, we did it five years ago. It actually was my co-founder, Anatoly. We were back in Moscow in, I think it was autumn 2014, when he approached me with an idea of a service that can help track reviews for any application on the App Store and Google Play. The idea of tracking these reviews came from the feeling that you can get some product insights while reviewing and understanding the uh, user sentiment. And with these product insights, you can adjust your product line and understand what features customers want, maybe something, some features they don't want. The peculiarity of the speech was that you would be tracking your own application reviews and your competitors' reviews. And because of that, you can understand what customers like or don't like from your competitors. And that can influence your product as well. So you can, you can do something that will lure these customers from them to you. I not only at that time was head of mobile in a travel startup back in Russia. I had a company that was developing third-party applications. And we were trying to do some product applications of our own. So it really like you know resembled with me. I, I really felt like it was a great idea. And soon after, we, he told me that he wants to build a company around that. He came up with the name App AppFollow. We honestly spend one night discussing all other options. None of them we liked. So we, we stayed with the follow for that time. And as I was the, the guy with the previous entrepreneurial experience, and I had already had a company of my own at that time. So he asked me to help to set up the company. And that's how I joined the team and became one of the co-founders. The pitch that Anatoly gave me was that we can do it very quickly. That'll be like a Real hit. In one year, we're selling the company for one to three million US dollars. Share this money, and we're rich and we can go for the next project. And I said, okay, one, two years that I can handle that. <laughs> Sounded like a plan for me. So, as you know, it's now our sixth year on the road. And we honestly are not thinking of selling the company anymore. We're thinking of building a world leader in analytics.
0: When and why did you change your vision from let's do pretty well and make a quick exit for a million or so to let's try and become a world leader?
1: So the initial thinking was none of us had any previous VC-related experience. We never fundraised. We never actually built anything global. So we thought that we can do things very quick. They can be a success very quick. That's why you you can exit very quickly as well. Also, there were a few stories about companies that managed to do it in a a year or two or three. And these stories were like, you know, very exciting. They speak like, you can feel the money and they're coming to you. So we thought that just a good way of doing things, a proper way of doing things. But down on the road, we understood that, actually, it's not like that. It's totally opposite to to this. I now know that the average story for a SaaS company from start to exit is at least 10 years. So it's never a year or two. And actually the most interesting and the most exciting stories are the companies that don't actually think about exits at all. They, they're developing and building the companies as long as they as they can. And when we were getting examples of these companies more and more in, in front of us, and we were thinking of what future we can build, we understood that actually a long-term commitment works way better and way more interesting than a short one. So we just eventually came up with with an understanding that we're here not for a short period of time, but we're here for long. We understand that we wanted to achieve certain things in terms of the size of the company, of the results on the global scale. And obviously that can happen that fast. So we just uh, at some point gathered, talked this once again, and understood that we're on the same page. We're here for We're not going anywhere, and we really want to build a leader in this market space. In a way,
0: you've changed your long-term vision and long-term aspirations, and that makes sense. Have you also had to evolve the way you're delivering to your clients? Has that execution side of things also shifted since the company was founded? That's a good one. I think yes,
1: definitely. Definitely. Though I've I've never thought of that before. In the early days, the most focus was on the quick wins, again, because we wanted a quick win ourselves. So we were doing very small things, but very, very rapidly. I think around two years, two and a half years ago, we understood that certain things can be done really quickly and you have to invest a certain amount of time and resources into some really big and valuable features for our customers. As an example, here is a sentiment analysis because it's based on machine learning, and you have to have a lot of data to teach algorithm, and then these algorithm can produce some value to your customers. And if you think of several languages that we need to support, so it's not one language; it's usually 10, 15 of them. That's a kind of a certain commitment, and there were customers that were they really were looking forward to have a, such a tool and use it on our platform. So I think. Um, When our mindset changed, we also started to change the approach towards what we're delivering and we were ready to build something more complex and more sophisticated than before. One of the growth stories that I usually tell is that in the very early days, we had this request, customer request of building Slack integration. None of us has idea what Slack was. It was the very early days of (laughs) Slack success, but we, we, we knew the name. We kind of looked at their website but we couldn't get the idea of what, what they're doing and, and why they're so successful. And we were constantly refusing this request. So we said, no, we, Slack, no, we're, we're doing other things. And then one of the customers told us that he's ready to pay. Just give me this Slack integration. And that was like a lamp above our head. So we got, oh, okay, that's how it works. And we've built it in three days. Wow. In three days, then, then we launched it, and actually, it then was driving our growth for at least one year after that. Of course, we were continuing developing it and making it a little bit more sophisticated and more intuitive, more user-friendly, but the first version was done in three days. I don't really think we can do anything in three days today because the, the product itself became relatively complex. Though we do want to, to have this idea of building something in today. So we, when we're doing internal hackathons, it's only it's actually two days when, when you need to build something. But then it takes time for you to actually to get this to production. So when we were young and when we were quick, we were doing quick things with quick wins. When we became a little bit more mature and we understand that things are, are a little bit different and the perspective is a little bit different, we started you know, to changing the way how we see the product, the features what customers expect, and also the big vision. Initially, we were focusing only on App Store and Google Play, now we're thinking of different marketplaces where we can provide pretty much the same value, and these marketplaces don't need to be exactly uh, digital marketplaces like App Store and Google. They can be physical marketplaces like Amazon, for example. But as long as Amazon has search, reviews, and ratings, our tools actually work there pretty well. We just need to do some, a little bit of adjustments and, and that's it. So it actually helped us to broaden our vision. That's what actually VC is like. They want to have a billion dollar story when you're pitching them with your company. So that's in a certain way, our billion dollar story, a universal tool for, for marketplaces next three to five years. And I doubt we would have an idea like that when we were still like, you know, thinking, let's do something quick. And then in six months, we are sold.
0: Now, I know that organizational culture is crucial to your success at Follow. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Tell me more about the distinctive culture that you're building throughout the organization.
1: From early days, we became a remote company. As I said, we started in Moscow. But uh, soon after, due to my family issues, I had to move here to Helsinki, Finland guys stayed in Moscow, and um, the first two hires that we had in the company were, I think, from Rostov-on-Don, which is a very south city in Russia. We currently, just for, for information, are uh, spread between uh, 14 different geographies, in most of Eastern Europe. But, uh, I mean, we really embrace the idea of remote team and remote working, and uh, we actually very much like it. But one of the discoveries that we made is that in order for the team to be very effective, you, need, you actually need to be very open in your communications, business-wide and work-related, of course. We do not request any private communications to be to be open. That can stay private as long <laughs> okay. as, uh, as you want. But all business-related questions, we do really encourage everyone to discuss openly in the open channels, either it's a team channel or cross-team channel or a fully open channel to, to everyone on the team. And the idea behind this is that the team is actually asynchronous. Some guys are working, some guys may be on a uh, lunch break. Uh, and uh, in, in some cases, some guys woke up and some are going to sleep. So you never know w- w- in which state this or that person is. But the thing is, sometimes the knowledge is spread between different people in the company. So if you're trying to get the information just from only one person, the chances of failure are much higher when, when you're trying to reach out to a more broader number of people. We proved that to many people and a very good examples that, that, that it really works. And it is really important to handle communications like that. So now everyone has this um, state of mind where if it's a business question or work-related question, please post it in, in your channel or in the team channel or in cross-team channels. And the first person who knows the answer will react to that or will refer to the person who might know that. And then we can build a, a little bit of a collaboration here and find a, a proper answer or make a proper decision to, to, depending on what you were asking for. And uh, we see this the more the company grows, the more people we have in our net, the, the more important it is because you never know what other people know. You, you can be fully aware of all their knowledge. When it was five of us or 10 of us, the information was shared by default, very widely, it was very easy to handle because there were not that many people interfering into this connection. But uh, the more the company grows, you you have to have certain levels. So something stays on the lower levels, some goes to everyone, and some information stays in between of these two states. And uh, of course, the sharing this insights actually helps everyone because the more everyone is connected and understands what others are doing and what problems they're solving, the better they understand the whole idea of where we're heading to and, and what we're doing. In that regards, we also like very much educate everyone on metrics and we want every single person on the company to know our crucial and main KPIs like monthly recurring revenue, annual recurring revenue, churn, some other basic new accounts, upsells, upgrades. Uh, and, and, and we believe that actually understanding these KPIs is also important because at certain sense, your thinking changes towards what I can do to influence these KPIs. In that moment, you're starting to reprioritize the way how and what you do. And that is very much different just from the thinking, okay, that's the feature I need to build. and you're building this feature, you you put it on the product line, and then you may not even care how good this feature is, if it's popular one or or not. And you think that it is someone else's job to understand this thing. But actually, it's a teamwork always. So we're trying to to get everyone involved in, into this type of thinking.
0: Just uh, to clarify, yeah. Eugene, this this idea of sharing the key metrics with every single person in the organization, even you know, even the most junior engineers, will hear the key commercial and business metrics. Was that based on something you read about or heard about elsewhere? Was it based on your own? Previous experiences, either things that did or didn't work in, in a former life.
1: I honestly don't know if we read it about some company that had such a policy and we just liked it, or we came up with this ourselves. I believe probably something in the middle. So we've heard about someone trying to get everyone on board, and we thought, yep, yeah, probably that might work for us as well. But it happened. Long time ago, so we've, we've been doing this as long as I remember ourselves. So I'm not sure actually what was what exact thinking we had uh, behind behind that idea, but we just understood that it, it is important to get everyone on board with that. Even uh, what what I was uh, also wanted to, to, to share as an example here, even the strategy, we very much want everyone to understand what is the global strategy of the company and what is the thinking behind behind the strategy. Again, the bigger the team, the more complicated it gets. Last time we were doing this when we had a chance to get everyone offline and we had this team meeting Uh, everyone joined us in in a small village near St. Petersburg in Moscow. And we were telling them the story of what we achieved, where we are at the moment and what we want to achieve. And literally there was everyone. So again, our idea was it's not only, you know, for, for team leads or top management. We don't have actually a top management at all, but everyone's should be on board with that. And everyone should understand what we're doing and why we're doing this. So I'm pretty sure we're not the only ones who are doing that, but I don't remember actually why we came up with this thinking, but we're really happy we did.
0: Sounds to me like you're quite pioneering with that openness. So even if other people are doing something similar, I haven't come across that exact uh, model before uh, no,
1: I'm pretty sure there they, they are a few companies uh, out there. It can it be so be. that we in- <laughs> invented that.
0: Maybe, maybe you'll appear in Harvard Business Review 2025 um, explaining how innovative your uh, <laughs> open culture is. But, uh, anyway, let's, let's move Thank on from first. that. What was the initial impact of COVID on App Follow? if we think back to sort of February, March 2020? And how did you respond? To that.
1: So on the one thing I used to say, it didn't, affect us, it didn't affect us at all, because as I said, we were a remote team. Uh, but actually, I think three or four months uh, ago, I, I, I changed the speech and I said, it didn't affect us that much. So of course it, it, it affected us, first of all, just a huge stress to everyone. And we realized that people are actually sometimes freaking out because they don't understand what's going on, how it will reflect on on their life in the future, whether it's forever or just temporary. We all had this wish that it's just for three months or so, but it never was for three months. Again, on the one hand, we were a remote team, so it was relatively easy for us to adjust. Literally nothing change that much because we just continued working as we were working before but on the other hand i at some point i understood that we actually had quite a lot of offline events as well first of all we had this b annual meetings team meetings and we already had to cancel one and i believe we will cancel the uh, the, the one which is coming uh, on in winter time in february then we had this quarterly team meetings with the team leaders and when we were doing this quarterly reviews and planning we had to put them online. And of course, that's not that much of a fun having just a Zoom call instead of gathering around around sure. big table and not only discussing business, but also, you know, joking and uh, just sharing some personal stuff. And also we had these team meetings when a certain team, like a product team, could meet and discuss their own stuff uh, themselves without us being involved in that process, as I mean founders. And this also, we had mostly canceled them. few of them happened in summer break, during the summer break. But uh, again, that were more of an exception rather than something systematic. And now we see that actually there was certain effect. Though on the other hand, a good thing here is that the mobile industry itself, with which we are our, most of our business is at the moment, this, industry didn't didn't really suffer. Of course, there were a few categories like travel. Travel died. For a moment, completely died. Now it tries to restore its activities. But then there was gaming, productivity, health, and some others, which actually prospered from the effect of you know, isolation and going online for, for everyone. Even going remote for, for, for every single company, especially in the IT sector. Quite quickly, we saw this effect coming from the customers as they started to request, you know, more features, higher limits on their plans. And they just became more active because they have they understood how important it is for them to conduct the dialogue with their customers. And we're definitely one of the best tools to do that.
0: What's your vision for 2021 and beyond for your business? That is, yeah. not for the world, not for the planet, <laughs> but what's your for, for app follow, <laughs> you and your team? What's your vision for? The next two to three years, for
1: the planet, I really wish that things are will get back uh, into a little bit normal things used to be before the pandemic, and I really hope that the vaccination that starting worldwide would help us restore the trust in humanity. As for the company, well, as we fundraised recently, the idea, the whole idea of fundraising, is to continue our growth at this, pretty much the same pace as, as we were growing before. We've uh, managed to double our business in 2019. Uh, we're doubling it uh, in 2020. And so at least we should need to double it in 2021. But we actually believe that we can move faster than that and, and we can grow faster than than just doubling the business. The idea of that is based on the fact that we understand that we we actually still lack certain things in the, in, in the way how we were handling, for example, sales or marketing. And improving these areas will help us a lot into establishing uh, as a leader in this uh, vertical. And the global idea is for us is to actually become a market standard. We believe that with a few other companies that started their business pretty much in the same time, 2014, 2015, we developed a new vertical of app product management, which didn't exist before. The usual suspects for this type of businesses and companies would be Appen and but but they're focusing on a little bit different ideas. As I usually say, they're more quantitative and we're trying to be more qualitative. And because of that, we have a very different approach towards why and how we're helping our customers. There's no different leader in this sector. We think we're growing faster than anyone else. So there's a good chance of us becoming a market standard and a leader in in, in this area. And we really, really want to achieve this um, status. And this can be done through proper hiring and proper team, a much better and more powerful product and uh, luck, definitely. Also supported by a little bit of uh, funding coming from uh, VCs. Altogether, that should be our magic potion that will move us forward. I think that Hopefully, that will help us establish ourselves as, a, as one of the leaders on this market, and then we'll try to move even further with that, becoming, yeah, well, market-centered standard is, so let's see it's like that. I, I really want every single team developing an application to think of setting up an AppFollow account on their product map when launching, launching their applications in, in the app stores as a default action, I mean, so by, by default.
0: I'm intrigued by something you just mentioned. You mentioned that you have this more qualitative focus, whereas some others in the market are more quantitative, and yet you're using you know, machine learning, data science to do your analysis. So, can you elaborate on that point about you being you being the kind of leaders from a qualitative perspective?
1: Well, let me explain it on an example. So, consider you're you're building an application and. Uh, You might be a new startup or a well-established business just wants to move to the mobile part and and extend uh, its presence in in mobile world. So one of your first things would be to research the market, obviously, and you want to understand how big is the potential market, what are the competitors, how much they're earning, maybe how much they're spending, what is their revenues, uh, downloads, and stuff like that. And for that, definitely, you can use a service like App or Sensor Tower. These are really good guys. They can give you a really good perspective of how big the market is, how big a special, specific category can be, and what are the players in this category. But what we are trying to focus on is not you know, how much downloads or how, how much revenue you're getting on a given day or a given month, but more on the fact what customers like and what they don't like in terms of the features. And that is when this change happened from quantitative to qualitative perspective. I mean, what product ideas you can get knowing that your competitor has X downloads or X, Y, Z revenue? Not that much. Maybe he can give you an idea that he or she is very successful, probably, but that's it. If you want to understand why they are so successful, you have to deep dive into their product. And that will, at a certain point, make you put you in the task of analyzing the reviews, for example, and, and trying to understand what customers actually like about their application, which you don't have. And, and then you will think how we can get this you know, for your service as well. And uh, this is where we step in. This is exactly what the problem we're trying to solve here, with the uh, also help of then giving you an idea of how we can reach out to more potential customers like that through app store search. Most of the downloads are happening through search and, and we help you understand how customers are searching. So we help you understand the customer language, this uh, voice or customer's voice. And that again, gives you a better understanding how well you fit to these potential customers. Again, building a more relatable product towards them. For me, this is all qualitative data. You, it's very difficult to, to, to measure it in certain quantities. Of course, they are like ratings, for example, and the higher the rating, the, the better it is. But it's um, it's a result of of the product, not not something that where the product starts. And it helps you understand whether you're moving to the right direction or not. But still, the main idea here is to talk to the customers. That's why we are focusing on on, on the qualitative part of the product rather than on quantitative results of your
0: business. Eugene, tell me who. In terms of the business community, in terms of successful entrepreneurs or business thought leaders, who's really inspired and motivated you and your journey as as an entrepreneur?
1: Thank you very much for that question, Gary. Well, first of all, there are a few usual suspects here. I like uh, Steve Jobs, for example, I've been using Apple computers for already more than 15 years. So I got to know Apple way before it became and mainstream and of course he can be very much inspiring when because on how and and why he was changing the company and making a lot of product decisions also i personally think of sometimes of Elon musk as a, as a good example uh, of him you know turning the automobile industry from fuel consumption to electricity that's a big change for one man but i'm personally very much fascinated with the stories you know like unknown stories of a successful people. And from time to time I came across people like, fortunately I forgot the name, uh, this uh, guy who founded the company called Balance Plus. If you are familiar with curling, the game. So he was uh, a physicist. I think he was close to his 50s and he really liked the game, but uh, he couldn't play uh, the same league as younger ones, but he really wanted to. So one of his first inventions, because he was a physicist, was an invading a slider, which he put to the shoes of a sportsman. And people who were using his slider compared to the sliders that was before were telling him that they felt like cheating. That's how good the slider was. And he then actually continued developing new things and improving the overall technology, like they used brushes. And he came up with the idea of a lighter brush, because it would be easier To sweep and you won't be getting tired so fast and so you can you know perform better throughout the game which is definitely very much important then he was lured into actually establishing this sport company and building quite a successful business though it's a small one because you know curling is not a very popular game i understand but thanks to my wife who told me the story i really admire this guy and i think he he did a, a great job or if i may just one more example here There is this uh, lady, a businesswoman, Barbara Corcoran, if I I remember her name right. She built a very successful real estate agency in New York, which then she sold to for quite a lot of millions of uh, of US dollars. And the thing is that she started from the ground up. She was literally nobody. She she was a secretary in in some real estate agency uh, in her early days no one would think of a woman at that time being a successful agent and she managed to came up with a, a lot of brilliant ideas throughout the road and on how she would you know nail the business and like instead of selling one bedroom apartment she would advise people to put a wall in the living room between the diner area and the rest area so it automatically becomes a much more comfortable space and you can rent it for extra 20 or 50 bucks I personally like the the story about how she was hiring salespeople. She would put an advertisement in a the newspaper. Then, when people started calling her, she would tell them that the position is already closed. Though it might have an opening in in the coming days, so we might need, still need to have an interview. So they invited several people at the same time. So when a person comes, he would see other people already in the line. And uh, also her secretary was, you know, giving them pencils or pens, depending whether like, they were like, she was profiling them and the way they looked. So depending whether the person was filling his form with a pencil or a pen would give her an idea whether it's a good one or a bad one. And at the end, she ended up hiring like really good people while she was no one. And she thought that no one would actually come and work for her. That, that's like really brilliant story. So so this kind of stories, when I, when I come across them, I really, really like them and I collect them because they, they give an inspiration and they give the confidence that you can know really nail it at a certain point of your startup life.
0: Well, I love those stories of who's inspired you. And uh, next time I'm up in Helsinki, I challenge you to a game of curling.
1: <laughs> okay, that we can do. But I'll still have to ask my wife to help us here because she's the one in charge of curling in our family. By the way, Finland is full of stories like that. If you remember the gaming success of gaming companies like Rovio, or Supercell, these are the ones also can be really, really great ones, inspiration in terms of inspiration.
0: So if you were to sum up in one line or one sentence the market standard idea, would that be app follow is the market standard for mobile app sentiment? would that be a way of expressing it or would you have a slightly different way of summing everything up in one sentence or one phrase or one idea?
1: We prefer to say app management because we think that's a bit a bit like a bit more complicated process as it is. So it's centered about user sentiment, definitely. But there are more to that. And actually, in a way of how we see it is that you're taking care of your application And when you're taking care of your application, you're you're managing it and you're nurturing it a little bit. So app management standard, yeah, market standard for app management, that will be probably a better better thinking of how we see ourselves in the future.
0: That's your strap line. I think that will be the strap line for this episode. App follow the market standard for mobile app management. That's brilliant. Eugene, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode.
1: Thank you very much for your invitation, Gary. It was a pleasure. And I really hope that your listeners will really like what they heard. I'm sure they will.
0: This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high impact senior talent.